Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. You're about to hear a favorite from the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze archive. This was our St. Patrick's Day show, recorded in March 2017. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, inviting you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We are going to celebrate, get you ready anyway, for St. Patrick's Day. We've got some outside-the-box ideas about St. Patrick's Day in addition to the classics. We have a beautiful gift wine that we found. We discovered a cheese that has come into Connecticut from Lithuania. And we want to tell you about it because it's an aged cheese and tastes a lot like an almost creamy grana padano. It's very Mm. interesting and it's lactose free. And in our final segment, we have one of the great food writers and recipe creators out there, Melissa Clark of the New York Times and her brand new cookbook. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beasts Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine brokers Alex Province and Mark Raymond. So we're going to get to our wine tasting in just a little bit, this beautiful gift wine. But first, I think we need to start with how do you get ready for St. Patrick's Day, if you do? <laughs> Buy beer. People go, people, <laughs> oh, wait, what? People go out. People go out, basically. People go out. Yeah. Yeah. And they have the, the, you know, this that whole thing, like traditional lobster mm-hmm. rolls. Some people say, I want the traditional Corn thing. Corned beef and cabbage. Corned Corn beef, beef and cabbage. cabbage. Maybe potatoes some and boiled carrots. potatoes Potatoes in there. and carrots. Okay. Absolutely. So we do that every year. Can we brainstorm about some things that you would do? Chris's hand is up. <laughs> <laughs> I got one that I, I try to do every year, and I love it, and it's a little riff on the classic. It's still the perfect time for crockpots, and I love my <clears throat> 16 now crockpots, and I take the largest one I have. Corned beef is in every market this time of year. I buy two big chunks, and this is what I do a little differently. I cut them into cubes, Hmm. about inch and a half to two inch cubes, right? Uh So, like chili meat. Yeah, a little stew meat, a little bit more than a bite size, and I throw it in my crock pot, and I throw it in there with a little spice pack that it comes with, right? Of course I use it. It has like coriander and mustard seed and whatever, and I throw that in there, and then I dump in a beer. A Guinness? Yeah, Guinness. It doesn't have to be. I use whatever I have, nothing fancy. On low, I let it cook for about six hours. Then I throw in chopped up potatoes, again, that same size, chopped up carrots, and I let that go for a couple more hours, and then I finish it off with Brussels sprouts. I just cut them in half. Oh. So it's still corned beef and cabbage, but now it's more like a corned beef and cabbage stew. Oh, right? Wow. And then, yeah, and I take it, I put it in a bowl, and then I love this sauce. I use it probably too much. This I is just, a good sauce. I just use it 50% whole grain mustard, 50% yeah. sour cream. It could be any sour cream you have. Just mix it in a little bowl, and that's it. And if you honey, like a little a sweet, yeah, you could do honey or maple syrup. What am I remembering? Didn't you, one St. Patrick's Day, you brought in a horseradish sauce? Yeah, that's the same thing. It's sour cream, horseradish, and black pepper. 
with this one, I really do like that mustard. Me too. Yeah, that mustard, yeah. sour cream, and a little maple yep. syrup or honey or whatever. Yep. Just mix it, taste it, and then spoon yep. that right on top of these chunks. Put a little of the broth in the bowl, and it's almost like a soup stew yeah. kind of thing. It's something you can do at home. It's simple. You can freeze it, I bet. You can freeze it. It's just a little riff on the classic. I'm wondering how it would be if we did the corned beef in a barbecue fashion. Ooh. On the grill? Yeah. Or in Smoked. It's in low the oven. Slow. Yeah, low and slow mm. in the oven with the way you would do barbecue ribs mm. with the same kind of sauce. Yeah. You know, not too sweet, not too like yeah, a rub vinegary. First. Maybe it should have a rub. Like they but, do beef brisket. Real right. exactly. Yeah. Real barbecue mm. flavor. I, I would cut the good. cabbage in half and put it grill side and down. I think I would like it as Charm. a sandwich. Mm. You know, Sourdough I'm bread. seeing like you know. Remember Lee White's Hanukkah right, yeah. Hanukkah yeah. brisket? I can see a similar thing mm-hmm. in foil, like she does, mm-hmm. where she takes a roasting pan, lines it with foil like an envelope, like you know, two pieces, one going each way. She puts the brisket in there, so you'd put the corned beef in there. You'd throw your potatoes, your carrots, your mm-hmm. cabbage, put it all in that packet. Pour in a little beer in your spice packet and just fold it all up. Or even go the old way with a little Coca-Cola, too, in there to make it sweet yeah. mm. because the corned beef is salty. And then braise it like that. It would be heaven. Oh, then yeah. when you open up the packet, the aromas. And, mm-hmm. yeah, the caramelization. Then, oh, yeah. 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 So you, you know, could adapt brown that Brown sugar recipe. would do the same sure. thing. Sure, yeah, brown just, sugar. Just the way we're going to hear Melissa Clark in a, a little mm. while talking about a caramelized salmon. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And she, it's the secret is the brown sugar. And the flavor that comes to, that creates that caramelized sort of Vietnamese treatment of this brown sugar. If we treated the corned beef mm. as if it's brisket and yeah. did a barbecue, yeah. brown sugar in there would like do that it. caramelization. Sure. You know, mm. yeah, a little chili sauce, a barbecue. Oh my God! Now you're taking it to a whole different area. I, I like it. Just, I'm just yeah. thinking out loud. Here's a question though: Why don't we eat it more than once a year? I love corned beef. Yeah, I, whenever I go to a restaurant, I see a Reuben on the menu. It's my go-to. Because it's big though, and I always think of like just for Matt and I making a brisket. It's a lot of protein for two people. You know, when but you like go to you the, said, it's a big it. yeah, freeze cut, it. cut yeah. sections yeah. up, freeze it. Yeah. yeah. Leftovers, it's just, would it's you not freeze? very expensive, right? Yeah, no. No, it's not. And it's it has not. amazing flavor. It really does. There's, there's a, um, a a good friend who makes a chipotle brisket, and I'm wondering See? if you could do oh a chipotle sauce for the corned beef. Smoky, the slow, sweet, slow hot. I love that'd it. Be, that'd be I kind love of it. interesting. Right? I would take a chipotle sauce like that and just smother it with it with some onions and then put it in the slow cooker just like that snap the lid on and mm. do it for eight hours on low Chris and I'm just, thinking oh. of your Barolo yeah that you would know, oh red brisket wine brisket and Barolo in mm. a slow you cooker corned beef in that yeah why not oh mm. that's an interesting right? idea yeah well you use a Nebbiolo right yeah, you get, yeah. 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 so you're not spending the big bucks right but that would be fun I'm thinking yep. I might cut a brisket in half and do half one way and half another yeah. way so you don't mm-hmm. get tired <laughs> and I think the supermarkets are catching on too. Like when I say I buy two pieces, I don't buy yeah. two whole briskets. Now you can get a two-pound piece, you know. Yeah. Which and once it cooks down, it's the perfect amount for two or three people. Are, mm. are there a million chemicals in those spice packets? No, the spice packet that comes with it is just uh, spices. It's just, it's just I think it's spices. yeah, it's, it's mustard, coriander. coriander, some bay leaf, uh, black well, pepper. What corns. is corned beef? Corned beef is just cured brisket in salt water. Uh, in a brine of uh, of wa- salt, 
Um, usually sodium nitrate that gives it that pink color. That's the same thing we use in ham. And then Is spices. that okay for you, though? You know, some people say yes, some people say no. I mean, we've been eating it for years. Even the ones that are no nitrate use celery because celery has natural um, sodium mm-hmm. nitrate in it. So you can buy celery powder to do it. But it's still, so it's still nitrate, right? So it, it actually just keeps that meat red like you would see. And I don't know. We've been eating ham for years. No one's ever said anything about that. Right? <laughs> it's ham. Yeah, it's ham. <laughs> it's bacon. Okay. All right. So the yeah. one thing I, I thought it would be kind of fun to add in here is doing something with the potatoes. All of our dishes are talking about throwing the potatoes into the slow cooker. But I'm <laughs> going to make a play here for doing these potatoes this way. We have featured on the show as our most recent star home cook, Dr. Carolyn Missouri of um, Women's Health Research at Yale. I went home and made these and went so crazy over them. I then went out and bought 10 potatoes, and I decided I was going to make everyone I knew these stuffed potatoes. So here it is. (laughs) Take a potato. You dip it in some salty water Okay. uh, for, you know, a minute. You've plucked holes all over the potato, as you usually do. Mm -hmm. Then you put it on a baking tray in the oven at 475 Ah. for about 45 minutes. Then you take it out of the oh, oven and I like you, see where this is going. you brush it with vegetable oil of okay. some kind of your choice. Yeah. And now it goes back into the oven for another 20 minutes. Oh, it's and it's going to get that crispy on the yeah. outside. Salt's drying. The salt water's drying. Uh-huh. And then you get that leaving uh-huh. its crispy residue. Then, then, while it's baking the second time in a bowl you mix together, soft goat cheese, mm. chopped fresh basil, and lemon zest. Ooh. Yum. Little salt and pepper. Mix it together, and then when the potato comes down after the second 20 minutes, slit it down the thing, and you just load that oh, goat cheese it. into basil that mix. potato. Mm. You're not done yet. After it's stuffed, then comes the drizzle of olive oil oh, over everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot. I, I for- paid that's special attention to this. Why don't you just use butter oil. instead of olive oil? I forgot that. I did that. I put yeah. a little I butter and a little <laughs> olive oil. Because nice. like, of course. <laughs> it is no, who doesn't yeah. love the baked yeah. potato? Insanely right? delicious. I love the salt with the on salt the outside. Yeah. I would really suggest this That's to go That's a patty. Yeah, of course, because potatoes it's potato. in, Yeah. I mean, it's a meal. The yeah. whole thing is a meal all by itself. You Absolutely. Know, you really, How about you could take your corned beef when it comes out, and you can just sort of shred it up and put it on top of that potato. Load of potatoes. Yeah. Sure, because then you have a totally different take on it, right? Yeah, you got a full can. meal yeah. right there. Totally. I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. Mm. Well, I love the baked potato. I miss oh, it. I, do. I, I miss it. Every the skin re- is my favorite part. Oh yeah. <sighs> Every restaurant used to serve baked potatoes. I remember my first Pandorosa job. Was, oh my gosh! My first job when I was young was wrapping the potatoes yeah. in the foil and throwing them in the oven right before service, so they were ready for dinner. And now you very rarely see baked potatoes on menus. It's, it's comfort like food. Stuffed They're ones. so good. I oh. order it every time I see it. Of so I, t- I take mine. The first thing I do is cut it. In in half, put a huge wad like of butter inside, close oh, yeah. it back up, nice. let it all melt, uh-huh. fluff it up. I mean, then oh, from I there, love broccoli, oh, yeah. sour cream. Sour yeah. cream. Yeah. Oh. I like broccoli, cheddar, and bacon. Salt, pepper. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Roasted mm-hmm. broccoli, crispy bacon, mm-hmm. cheddar cheese, and then the sour cream. 
Oh yeah, it's a, it's whole a meal. meal. Absolutely, yeah, sure it is. Okay, that's fun. This this whole thing. <laughs> see, is like, see, we've oh, taken yeah. we've taken St. Patrick's Day to a different direction. I think. Yeah, I think we right? did. I think we're into barbecue and yeah. slow cookers and, and potatoes and it, loaded potatoes. It reminds me in the cooker, in the yeah. northwest corner of Spain, and they're Gallegos. They're Celtic. I've been in these mountain villages where they will boil beef. Boiled potatoes, mm-hmm. very simply, it goes on a plate, and then they just drizzle olive oil and paprika and salt, like smoked paprika. Heaven. And it's yep. so simple, mm-hmm. but so delicious. Yeah. And it's that Whoa. it's that beef that Whoa. sort of um, falls apart with connective tissue, so it's stringy. Right. And, and oh, the that's olive oil, that's good corned beef, too. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. That's totally so good, good corned yeah. beef. So am I the only one who celebrates St. Patrick's Day by having one of those shamrock shakes? (laughs) Is that that no one else's tradition? But but I do green beer. Anyone else does green beer? Oh, green beer you got to have. I got to have the green food coloring. Hold on a minute. What's the shamrock shake? I don't know anything about the shamrock shake tradition. What is it? Faith, the reason you don't know is because you have to get it through the McDonald's drive-thru. Yeah. That's why you don't know. It's only this time of year. she has kids, so So she wouldn't know. My friend Kevin just put that on Facebook, the shamrock shake. So I asked him what flavor is shamrock. And then Matt, of course, Googles how many calories. It's 800 (laughs) calories in that shake. But but nobody answered the question. What flavor is it? No one answered (laughs) me. Is it mint? It is Uh, a mystery. Oh, yeah, it is mint. It is mint. Okay. I've never had one. No. No, You're you're our representative. I think yeah. I think we have to Robin, you're going to have to bring one in. Yeah. I do sense like broken up pieces of um, Oreos might be Ooh, good in that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's like um, grasshopper or the yeah. thin mints. Yeah. The Girl oh, Scout thin cookies. Thin mints. Thin mints. Oh yes, yeah. We could make now. our own, Robin. You don't they're have to go now. to McDonald's drive-through to get that. We can make you one. <laughs> I know they're all over the internet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> totally <laughs> make you a shamrock. The copycat shamrock shakes. A vanilla shake with green food coloring. We could possibly make you an adult one also. Yeah. Yeah. From the mint, I, already, right? I like where you're oh, going with this. Cream to mint. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea, Chris. Right? All right, we're going to make you a I'll real bet you one. Anthony has made I, one. I'm thinking yeah. about oh, for Irish sure. whiskey for this Ooh, shake. yeah. Oh. Kick, it, kick it right up. <laughs> and then a little drizzle of the Irish, uh, the creme de mint on top. There we go. And you'd rim it with broken Oreo cookies. Yeah. Is there, whip, yeah. is there <laughs> whipped cream? Is there whipped cream? There's definitely whipped cream. we got to have whipped cream. Green whipped cream. Green food sure. coloring. Oh, boy. Green yeah, you'd put the You'd put the, um, the whiskey okay, in the whipped cream. Absolutely. We have so many things to do. It's like, oh my God, this is a show. We have to stop talking to each other. St. Patrick's Day is a food holiday. It it deserves this. Yes. It, it, but, and it is the food holiday that I sometimes skip. I never skip it. I, I love know, it. I no. It doesn't matter if you're Irish or nope. not. You just have to be a food lover. That's Everyone's it. Irish on St. Patrick's That's Day. Right. Everybody. And the yeah. getting that little accent right. going. And corned beef and cabbage is one of the pleasures. Mm-hmm. It is. It's just so mm-hmm. simple. It's easy to do. Even if you just boil it on the stove. How do you get the so cabbage good. not to smell so skunky? I think that's part of it. Yeah. But, I think. but what might be, you know, some people don't like the bitterness of eggplant. I don't mind it, so I don't drain it. I'm someone who thinks, you know, this All is right. a little Then stumpy. I have a tip for you that comes from my friend Lou who taught me this last summer. And he was roasting big sheets of cabbage. So he took the cabbage and he cut it into like two-inch sheets can you see that top to bottom? Yeah. And then he drizzled it with olive oil and salt oh, I see. and pepper I see. and then threw it in the oven, roasted it at 450 degrees wow. until it got nice So it's like a Brussels sprout. So it's like a point. giant Brussels sprout. Wow, so that's good it. idea. Good yep. idea. Okay, two things. We have coming up cheese from Lithuania, which is now being sold in Connecticut. So we tried it and we're excited. We have a great 
gift wine for you, a little more pricey than we usually feature on the show, but when there's a good gift wine, we like to tell you about it. This is a French one, uh, Rui, so it's a burgundy. It's really quite beautiful. So we'll get to that, and don't forget Melissa Clark of the New York Times is joining Mm. us later on with her new book, and it's the kind of book where you just want to make every single thing Mm. in it. We've been eating some of the things from the book. Delicious. Okay. More mouthwatering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org, and we'll be right back. Weathered Irish skin, beard orange as the sunset of the flag. In the night sky, we fly it and pride for the life we fight to live. History, I write with it, spit it with the dialect. And this is a celebration, of course. You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This was our St. Patrick's Day show, recorded in March 2017. Beans and cornbread. Cornbread had a fight. Beans, Beans knocked cornbread out of sight. Beans. Cornbread said, Now that's all right. Beans. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. Beans. I'll be ready. I'll be ready tomorrow night. I'll be ready. I'll be ready tomorrow night. I'll be ready. I'll be ready tomorrow night. That's what Beans had to cornbread. Okay, we have a free podcast for you, meaning a copy of the show, and we'll send it to you. The whole idea is you don't need to miss a drop of pleasure. It arrives in your inbox. You just sign up for it once, and then it's right there, and you can listen whenever you want. To sign up for the podcast, go to our site, foodschmooze.org, and you'll see it right there. I'm with my treasured food buddies, Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province of Hartford and Mark Raymond, wine broker of Weathersfield. And Robin Doyen Aiken is our senior producer. Hey, everybody. This hey. is let's get hey. to the wine uh, <laughs> and the cheese. Okay, the, the gift wine. We have this on the site, foochmoose.org, picture of the label and information you need to say at your wine store. You can call ahead. And also, we want to remind you that wines that are featured on the show now carry the Fuchmoo's Shelf Talker. So you'll see it in a lot of wine stores. Absolutely. And it says recommended by the Fuchmoo's. It does. Because we thought this is an easier way for people to yeah. find it. Or if you just popped into your wine store and, you know, it's well after the show aired and you see the wine sitting there with our tag on it, people will say, yeah. oh, they liked it. Let me mm. give it a try. Absolutely. I do the same thing. I'm walk, walking around seeing who's saying what about what wine. Now look for those shelf talkers. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is a 2000 and. 14 Burgundy, and I will tell you right off the bat about the price. Alex, what is it? You 32. Did, yeah, so that's not cheap. No, pricey. That's why we're saying yeah. a gift wine if you want to bring yourself. in special a gift. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Burgundy is never cheap. Burgundy yeah, you is no. very, that. very this, this uh, is cheap for a for Burgundy. Burgundy. <laughs> you got yeah, it. I mean, very good price. Burgundies Burgundy, can be yes. up to like ten thousand dollars a bottle, yeah. right? Absolutely. With the Romani Conti. Mm-hmm. Yes, so this comes from, from Burgundy. It's an appellation called Rudy, R U L L Y. And then 
it's a female winemaker, which to me, I think women are making some of the best wines in the world today. And she and her younger brother, Flavian, are the producers. It's organic as well. The grape is Pinot Noir. They produce such small production. I mean, that's part of the reason why these wines are expensive is because they don't make a lot. Sure. And if you're a Burgundy drinker for 32, you know, it's actually a bargain. Yeah. Happy uh, birthday to mean, me. Happy it doesn't mean you can afford it, you yeah. know, despite that it's a bargain in some world. Um, but if you wanted to walk through the door sometime with a wine you really can feel proud of and that you're bringing in something that's real quality, yeah. this is it. Or if you have a practice of being exposed to new wines that are good wines and you have a mm. friend you do that with, two or three of you can get together. And then it's $10 each, 10 or $11 each to get this wine and have a try. And you each have two mm-hmm. glasses right. out of the bottle, exactly. which is a nice amount. Yeah. So that's the way you know I do it with my th- friends. We if, chip in. If you think of it as like a buy the glass, if you go to a restaurant and spend 9 or $10 a glass, I mean, it's sort of the same. These guys have been so, in making wine since 1313. Well, I know. That's wow. crazy. How do we that? describe? Let's wow. describe oh, the wine. I taste berry in the background. Berries. It's fermented Lots in barrel, but it's neutral barrel. When yeah. you look at it, the first thing you're going to notice is it's clear looking. So Pinot Noir from Burgundy is like very light in color. You could read a newspaper through it. Absolutely. But then when you yeah. put your nose up to it, it explodes. It's like very, very intense aroma, and it smells like bright berry fruit, berries. Yeah, and absolutely, you're gonna think it looks like watered down wine, but if you take a sip, all of a sudden it's it's just so rich and it intense and flavorful on the palate. On the it really palate. It's it's um serious wine. It you is. Know, it not... is. It's got a little grip to it too. Yeah, that's what acidity. But I love the bright berry fruit. For me, with Pinot Noir, when I know it's Pinot Noir. The raspberry character just comes to the forefront, and I get that right away. This is a good time just to do a little education thing. Here's a bottle, and I know wine. It takes me a minute to figure out what in the world they're talking about on this on this bottle. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh. I agree. Especially when you get you French, Italian. It's no. confusing. So I, this is French. What, I'm looking at it, and it what's says... The... Vin de Bourgogne. Okay, I think, oh, yeah. Wine Burgundy. Burgundy. Yeah, wine So I think, okay, I've got that. 2014, the year. Great Fine, year. good, okay. Then it says Domaine Nino, and then Rui. So and what's the name of says, the wine no, and wait a minute. from? <laughs> yes, then it says Appellation Rui Controle. Then it says Chaponniere. I'm thinking, now, just a minute. I think the vineyard is Domaine Nino. <laughs> then I'm thinking, no, that's the name of the wine. Rui is the region. Yep. And then I thought, well, what's Chaponniere? The French do not make it easy. They've made these labels forever. We They're have this conversation with these guys. Hey, you know, I don't think people even know the name of the wine. It's 100% Pinot Noir, and it doesn't say Pinot Noir anywhere, anywhere on, on the, the label. Anywhere. So unless you know red burgundy is always Pinot Noir, you don't know it's Pinot Noir. They could sell so much more if they made the name easy, if they told you it was Pinot Noir. Or just on the labels that well, came to the United States said Pinot Noir. So Domaine Nino is? If it says Domaine, it's an actual winery, and they grow mm. their own grapes. So right. Domaine Nino, Nino is their last name. House, House of Nino. So yeah. Nino's yes. just their family. Her name is Errol Nino and, and Flavian Down Nino. at the bottom, Chaponniere. So this is where it gets tricky. Sometimes... Um, <laughs> It'll say like three oaks or oftentimes it's like a Ludi, like a named place or just um, like a nickname for a winery or a vineyard or a, that 
oftentimes means something to the family, but nothing to the consumer. So in this case, it's, <laughs> it means nothing to the consumer. Ruyi means something. Yes, yes. So that's in the Cote Chalonnais, just in Burgundy. Beautiful place. Beautiful place in the mountains and the hills. Cote is the hill. So it's not easy. <laughs> it it's really not easy. Well, I just wanted to say, you're not supposed to remember all that. The point of this was, if you feel confused... Looking at these labels, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Not alone. Too. No, I feel so much better now. It's this is where you need a good <laughs> wine shop. So you go in and ask for help. You would ask help for televisions or computers or toaster ovens or if you're shopping for anything else. So don't be embarrassed to ask for help when you're shopping for wine. Let me say something about asking for help. It can happen that you have a wine salesperson that you've asked for help who is well-intentioned but is pushing wine that he or she has been asked to push by the company and right. so you get steered that way right. and then there's an upselling sometime where they're trying to switch you over to one that's another ten dollars a really great wine person in a store will Listens. have a thousand customers come back if that person really plays it straight and said, look, let's figure out what category you want. Is this for food? Is this a gift? How much money do you want to spend? What is your taste? Really focused on you. It's a relationship. So they may recommend a bottle of wine. You're supposed to try it, come back and tell them you either liked it or didn't like it. If you didn't, you know, if you're trying a oaky Chardonnay, you can be like, I'm not sure how to describe it, but it was like too oaky. This person now knows you. It's like getting your hair cut by your, you know, a salon or something. It takes a couple times for them to figure stuff out and understand. And all of us don't have the same language when you're trying to even describe a wine to somebody. So they have to figure Absolutely. you out. Absolutely. This is why it's important to find a good wine shop. And if they don't treat you well the first time, you might not go back. So exactly. it's, they're incentivized to build a customer base by being honest. Mm -hmm. You say, and you can say, I want to spend $10. I want to spend $15. They shouldn't be trying to sell you something that's 25 Now, there's yeah. plenty of wines in all those price points. Yeah, and we always hope you won't be embarrassed to say, I really want to find a wine for a weeknight. It's 10 I don't want to spend more than $10. Don't be afraid to say anything like that. But tell me you want something wholesome. Wholesome, Not industrial, something wholesome that, that you would drink. Yes, no chemicals and junk. Weird chemicals. Okay, thank you for finding that wine, sure. Alex. Really Delicious terrific. Wine. Yeah. And it's on I our site, foodschmooze.org. Everything you need to know, including the picture of the label. Let's move on to the cheese. These cheeses are from Lithuania, and they are lactose-free, preservative-free, suitable for vegetarians. It's called dzugas, I'm sure people of Lithuanian descent. I am slaughtering this. But, so let me spell it for you. D-Z-I-U-G-A-S. And so we like the one with more age on it, meaning 36 months. And that was really pretty terrific. It's, it's, it. It was like a Grana Padano yeah, with I'd a little bit a of very, creaminess. Yeah, and, it's like a really good aged Italian hard cheese, right? I yeah. really liked it. So coming up in our next segment, I hope you won't go anywhere because one of my favorite people in the food world, one of the most talented cookbook authors, recipe creators I know, Melissa Clark of the New York Times, is going to be our guest because she has this new cookbook called Dinner Changing the Game. The whole idea is to put together flavors that are a little bit outside the box. All of this doable on a weeknight, often on a sheet pan. 
There's a particular salmon I'm interested in that has this caramelized Ooh, top. You're going to hear good. us talk all about that. Oh. And chicken a million ways. Yeah, and oh, we yeah. had a couple of these dishes, and they were really good. Really good. Really good. So really we'll tell you good. about those, too. Okay, so that's coming up in our next segment. We're going to spend the whole segment, Lucky Us, with Melissa Clark. And she has been very generous and allowed us to put the recipes right up on the site foodschmooze.org and I just think you might see some recipes there that are worth sharing for with sure. friends so for feel sure. free to feel free to share mm. a whole okay. chicken yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean that's chicken. just the most beautiful oh, yeah. food to me oh, is a whole chicken isn't it better than whole chicken on a Friday night oh, you come home from a long work <laughs> week oh, my kids think home. it's fancy just because it's a whole chicken <laughs> I like it because you have the carcass to make a uh, stock out of absolutely <laughs> cook once eat twice it's amazing to me how something grabs you or your taste buds are just jonesing for that thing. Like for you, Friday you were saying chicken, Friday mm-hmm. night chicken yeah. and Robin's saying the same thing. It just has this kind of fancy, wholesome look. And that for me, on I'm, it. Mm-hmm. I'm completely absorbed lately by fried egg on salad greens. Oh, wow. Or yeah. I was at a place called Bruce's on the North Fork of Long Island and they did avocado toast the fried egg sitting on top of the toast and the avocado and broad slices of parmigiano reggiano cheese on top of that Mm. and you're just meant to have your fork crash through Mm -hmm. everything then the yolk which is perfectly done just slightly oozes (gasps) I think my mom would say your body's craving those foods for a reason you know maybe you're trying to get nutrients or something in the salad yep I love egg and avocado together. I'm taking salad and duck fat. Oh, like wilty with the. What I'm hearing is a kind of polar bear strategy where we're just backing on the. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's really what we're doing. Okay, so all this stuff is coming your way. I don't know, Chris. Last minute before we go to Melissa, Mm -hmm. are you jonesing for anything? No, because I'm a chef, and whenever I jones for something, you get it. I can make it, or I have one of my people make it. Yeah, you I'm just say, spoiled. would you make that for me? Yeah, oh, totally. Or oh. I order it and it comes in the next day. <laughs> oh, Mark. <is laughs> yeah, right. my cravings don't last very long. We've been doing a lot of burgers lately and <gasps> doing the fried egg on the burger. I love yeah. it. I have never had that. Oh, my it's God. It's so good. I like, have that once a week, if not every other week, at a place in Torrington. And oh. they do a great burger with a fried egg. It's, oh. it's just oh, right. Good. The egg is just a little oh, extra. With the greens. Richness. And, then, yeah. and then it's like the dressing on the lettuce mm. and the tomato. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, oh. Faith, on heaven. Facebook, you posted a picture of a chicken and a turkey. They were like best friends. They were cohabitating. Listen, yeah. you have to check it out. Oh, scroll back because I'm driving down the road in the North Fork of Long Island, going past the Orient Service Station mm-hmm. where I get my gas and I know the guys. And I get right past there and I'm ready to turn in for gas and my head swivels around. <laughs> I said to the gas guy, I said, are you seeing that across the street? He said, you mean the wild turkey and the chicken? I said, <laughs> Like it was normal? Like yeah. A, yeah. I said, it's a wild turkey and a chicken hanging out? He said, oh, they're best friends. He said they just spend all day and night together. He said they just, that's it. They're just family together. It's he a said, wild turkey? It's a wild Does a turkey. turkey. Does a wild turkey go back and a p- to chicken the woods? that lays eggs. Yeah. No. He, they all live Hang together. Out. Oh, they do. Yeah, he's not wild anymore. He's been adopted. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> he's adopted. Are they a couple? I don't know. We should find out. <laughs> 
fucking ass. You should send flowers. <laughs> no, it's the greatest thing. I snapped it. You know, that no, was it's a great not my, picture. I snapped a picture of it yeah. as best I could, and I started sending it out to everyone I know. <laughs> love is love. Okay, Disney, just remember where you heard about this. All right, we love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers for on-demand podcast delivery of this Food Schmooze Party every week. And to find all of our curated recommendations, go to foodschmooze.org. Melissa Clark of the New York Times is next. We'll be right back. You're listening to a rebroadcast of the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. This was our St. Patrick's Day show, recorded in March 2017. Everybody knows she's a perfect 10. And I'm hanging on tight till the whole thing ends. Cause New York's got to get much brighter. She said, she said, it's a city on fire. This is the Food Schmooze Party offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York, including Westchester County, the east end of Long Island, and the Hamptons, of course. Podcasts and our curated recommendations are always online at foodschmooze.org. There's a person, if her name is attached to a recipe in the Times, I immediately, ahead of any world events, uh-huh. <laughs> I immediately <laughs> go to see what she has done. I love everything she does. And so here we have a new cookbook from Melissa Clark, and it's called Dinner Changing the Game. I think I should let you explain what you mean about that before we get into these recipes. I think that even people who love to cook, having to cook dinner every single night can become a problem. You know, it's the number one thing that I hear about when I'm writing my column and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm coming up with recipes. I just hear people want more dinner recipes. They want more ideas because I think they get stuck in ruts. And I know I do this too, you know, especially when I'm super busy. I'll go back to the same thing I've always made. You know, that thing that I do with the chicken or that thing that mm-hmm. I like to make with the pasta. And that can get really boring and very repetitive. And people feel kind of overwhelmed by this idea. So what I wanted to do was come up with a strategy for people to break free of that and also to get out of that tyranny of just eating, you know, a protein and two sides. Because when we think about dinner, we still flash back to kind of mom's 1950s, leave it to beaver. And that's not the way that we eat out at restaurants. It's not the way that people really want to eat, I don't think, or at least not all the time. So in this book, I've taken those two ideas, get out of your dinner rut, and just make one delicious thing for dinner using as few pans as possible, as quickly as possible, with the most interesting flavor combinations. And don't worry about having to put together, you know, this, like, perfect little plate. Isn't that good? It's why everybody likes the sheet pan dinner. You know, I mean, it's it's exactly the same philosophy. So I'm going to turn. We've got some recipes, thanks to Melissa Clark, up on our website. We'll tell you about those as we get to them. But the, the whole thing starts out with... Roast chicken. Who doesn't love a roast chicken? I mean, I I don't know of anyone, frankly. She's got many, many ideas, but I want to turn to this one because this knocks me out. It's a caramelized lemon chicken. Mm. This is exactly the kind of thing that Melissa Clark does. 
that little twist, everybody says, did you see her recipe today? I mean, was that just unbelievable? <laughs> okay, so tell me about this recipe. Yeah, we all use lemon with chicken. It's pretty classic, chicken with garlic and lemon, and it's delicious. But what I did in that recipe is I took the lemon slices and I caramelized them at high heat. I put them into the pan after the chicken had cooked part of the way through. I did it in a cast iron skillet, Mm -hmm. although you could certainly do it in a pan as well. But when your pan is nice and hot, you throw these thin lemon slices in, and as they make contact with that hot pan and a little bit of chicken fat on the bottom of it, Mm. they caramelize, and they turn golden brown, and the lemon Mm. intensifies, and Mm. it's also the sweetness Mm. comes out. It's not using an extra ingredient. It's not doing a special technique, but it's getting the most flavor out of the ingredients I'm using. And then what do you do with those lemon pieces? Those lemon pieces can become the sauce, basically, and you eat them. You know, that's, people think, oh, do I throw yeah. them out? No, you eat them. They're yes, they're yes sweet, you they're do. I see, isn't that the best? Because they're crunchy now, <laughs> and they're just, you know, with a little salt in there. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Fat, it's just delicious. Fabulous. With the, yes, the fat juice mm. from the chicken oh, yeah. mixed in. Oh, mm. That's mm-hmm. the way to make a chicken. Now, we have this next one on our website, your chicken and grapes with a little bit of sherry vinegar. So we're talking about some fennel seeds and pepper and zest of a lemon, olive oil, a chicken you've split open. It's called being spatchcocked, some red seedless grapes, sugar, sherry vinegar, and a little bit of butter. Mm, And not hard to do. Not hard to do. Actually, that's a very wine-friendly dish. Yeah. Doing poultry, so either chicken or duck or turkey with fruit is very classic. Same also with pork. And I like to use seedless grapes because they're such a surprise. You know, we think, oh, apples or maybe duck with orange or cherries, but grapes are not used that often. And they're really easy because they're seedless. You don't have to do much to them. You just give them a rinse. I don't even take them off the stem because you can do that while you're serving it. And you put them in the pan with the chicken, and as the chicken cooks, the grapes shrivel and they get almost not quite raisiny, but they're almost a cross between a grape and a raisin. And then they get very sweet. So you need that sherry vinegar right at the end to bump up the acidity. It's a beautiful dish. It's a colorful dish. And it's a slightly unusual, just a, a twist, but it's not hard. And it's fast because that chicken is spatchcocked. Yeah, and I always wonder why we don't use grapes more. It's the one thing that no matter where I am in this country and I walk into a grocery store, yeah, you might there have trouble there. finding certain things, but grapes are absolutely Absolutely everywhere, red seedless <laughs> and green seedless, and you would think we would cook with them more, right? Like especially in a dish like this. Yeah, a pork roast would yeah. be fabulous too. Yep. Okay, look at the picture of this with these mm. on the stems. Oh, so great. Yeah. How can that not just dazzle you coming out of the oven? A big chicken roasted there with all these grapes on the stems surrounding it, and that comes to the table. Oh. The next day, that? if there was any leftovers, I would take the grapes and make like a chicken salad. Little mm. mayonnaise, oh, oh, yeah. grapes. Yeah, there you go. I never thought of that. That's brilliant because, you yeah. know, chicken salad with grapes Good is a thing. So I'm just going to say the names of some things in this section because we're going to move on to some other ideas. But there's the speedy roasted chicken with garlic, rosemary, and mustard. Everybody wants that recipe because mm. of the way life is. <laughs> a sweet garlic chicken with wilted chard. Garlic chili chicken breasts with cucumbers and green ginger sauce. So a nice, a refreshing Asian twist there. Colombian-style chicken with Ooh. corn, avocado, and lime. 
time. That's, we, right. Oh, that's oh, right up our yeah, alley. Fun. A Thai chicken breast with coconut milk and lemongrass. Mustard chicken breast with ginger and tangerine. Mm. As you hear me reading these, <laughs> this sounds like fancy, yeah. but it's not. Sounds these are delicious. very, what Melissa's doing here is very simple techniques, and yet it's a little bit different. And these flavors together are, Amazing. I just think, Melissa, you have the best taste in what goes together. That's part of the secret. Yeah, and I want to say one thing, too. It's usually when we do these books, I take one recipe from it. Faith sends me usually one or two, or Robin sends me one or two or three to choose from. And I take one recipe, and I do it, and we try it for lunch. And as I was making one recipe, I realized it was so easy, and it's so fast, I actually made two. And that has <laughs> never happened in the all the years we've been doing cookbooks. I've never made two. Oh, my and gosh. That is exactly what uh-huh. I want to hear. That's the age, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I always say, less is more. Yeah. Less work, more yeah. flavor. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's a blood orange chicken with scotch uh, whiskey and olives. Wow. I thought, wow, that sounds so interesting. I'm just yeah. dying to try it. Yeah, the smokiness of the scotch in that recipe really wow. comes out. And the sweetness and the wow. brightness from the orange. It's beautiful, too, because blood <laughs> orange is so You pretty. won faith with the scotch. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. The I mean, smile on her face. <laughs> but, but you won't. <laughs> one me with the za'atar chicken because za'atar yeah. is one of my best things with lemon yogurt. And I thought, oh, mm-hmm. yep, definitely making that. There's a pizza chicken mm-hmm. with pancetta, mozzarella, mm-hmm. and spicy tomatoes, a coconut curry chicken. Okay, Chris, why don't you talk about one of the dishes that you made of Melissa's that we just ate? Oh, the black bean and roasted poblano quesadillas. Oh. Yeah, and that was so simple. Once I got the poblanos roasted, which only took a few minutes, it just went together mm-hmm. one, two, three. Delicious. You saute some onions, right, and add a little tomato paste, some garlic, some chili powder, black beans. I used canned mm-hmm. because yep, I was going yeah. fast, and I smashed them up. And then you spread that onto the corn tortilla that I brushed with a little olive oil, put a little cheese, some cilantro, and then the roasted poblanos I sliced and I the poblanos I roasted and I got it in the market they had a little heat to them too oh, so, nice. oh my god oh, they yeah. were just the right amount <laughs> yeah. so that was like our appetizer oh so good <laughs> you guys are getting a multi-course lunch <laughs> oh yeah awesome. <laughs> yes we're very happy I'm just going to mention that there is a jalapeno honey steak with cilantro and lime but Ooh. I want to settle for a minute on this Cuban flank steak with lime and fresh mango. I love fresh oh, mango. Mm. And with steak, never really thought about having those two together. It was beautiful. And then that lime, Sour. you know, zip in there with both the zest and the juice, with some orange zest and the juice of the orange. So this um, citrus thing going on, oregano, ground cumin, salt and pepper, flank steak, which is, you know, very easy to work with when you slice it up on the platter. So Cuban inspired, right? Yeah. So that one is actually a dish my daughter loves particularly. She also likes the jalapeno honey steak because it's not that spicy. For both of those, I find that using citrus and especially lime with steak is just so good because the meat is so sweet and earthy and, you know, juicy and meaty. And then I just want something bright to set it off. So a little acid from the lemon juice, or you could use vinegar, a little sweetness from either mango or honey. You can Mm. see the formula of the way my Mm. mind works, but it all works really well together and it all tastes extremely different. You know, the jalapeno adds a really like firm chili kick. And then on the mango dish, you've got the oregano. So you have that just earthy, herby flavor. This is Melissa Clark of the New York Times. And uh, 
Her new cookbook is called Dinner, Changing the Game, and they will be fighting in this room over who gets to borrow this book first. That's <laughs> just to see what's going to happen. There, I went through this book last night in real depth, reading everything and looking at things and thinking, oh, it is rare that in a cookbook I want to make every yeah. single thing that's in it. And yeah. I had that feeling last night. Okay, peachy pork or veal Ooh. with pomegranate molasses, the new spice, uh, yeah. the new uh, sauce that everybody loves now with charred onion. So uh, let's say pork chops or veal chops, some red mm-hmm. onion sliced up, a little bit of oil and salt and pepper, peaches or nectarines that are cut in these thick wedges, the pomegranate molasses, which have the most unusual flavor, and some chopped fresh basil. How's it come together? So that's another sheet pan dish, which I just yeah. love. I love throwing everything on a sheet pan, sticking it in the oven, and then it comes out and it's dinner. It's so easy. So that dish was actually, it was a little bit hard to get the timing just right because the pork or the veal, you want to use nice thick chops and you can use either one. They need a little more time to cook than, you know, you don't want to over cook your peaches. So you just, you layer things onto the cheap pan in succession and then it just, it works beautifully. And what happens is that the onions, they don't turn totally caramelized. They just char and brown, but mm. they stay, well, they, ha- they retain a little bit of texture, which is nice. So they're not completely floppy. So you have a, a slight crunch mm. and then the peaches, you have the juicy sweetness. And then, of course, your lovely roasted charred meat is always. Mm. always mm-hmm. And then, you know, pomegranate molasses, <laughs> that is the it sauce right now, the it condiment. I keep it on hand at all time. You buy one bottle and it lasts forever in the pantry. I don't even know how to describe that flavor. It's Tangy. Like, yeah. It's sweetie, tannery. A little. Yeah, tan- that's yeah, that bitter. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, it's, a little it's like. Unlike anything. And mm-hmm. at first, I thought. This is going to be weird when someone pulled it out to put it on something, and I tasted it, and mm. I went crazy. I thought, yeah. oh, here we go. This is that Middle Eastern thing that makes me want to move yeah. there. And, and a couple yeah. bucks for a bottle, and it lasts yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good investment. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so this is your recipe for cumin chicken meatballs with a green chili sauce. This mm. sounds so good to me. I love oh. cumin. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think, what a great flavoring. So you've It got smells some, good when you're cooking mm-hmm. with it. You're mixing up your uh, meat balls with white bread and milk and cumin seeds and red chili flakes and ground cumin in addition to the seeds and ground chicken, egg to hold everything together and garlic and lemon zest and Worcestershire sauce. Uh, Yeah. And then there's this sauce of jalapenos, parsley, cilantro, garlic, extra virgin olive oil, lemon juice. So imagine these chicken meatballs with this mm. sauce, this green chili sauce, that just sounds oh, so incredible does. to me. You, you know what I like, too, is that she uses spices in every recipe, and it keeps your spice cabinet fresh. I tell people that all the time. Yeah. You know, you buy a little cumin, and it sits there for three and a half years, unless, like, Melissa, you use it all the we time. use it, right. Yeah, put it in things and experiment. And this book is a perfect example of really getting use of your spice cabinet. That is such a good point, and I, I would tell everybody who is listening that if you indeed have three and a half year old cumin throw it out yeah. <laughs> so we like to give our tip for spices and you might even have a better idea for us melissa but we don't want people to uh, have to spend 40 50 dollars 
on spices alone in a recipe. So we say, do what we do. We go to a health food market that has them in bins, Mm -hmm. and they're going cycling through them very fast. And so you just have to lift up the lid Mm. to smell how fresh they are. They haven't been sitting in a warehouse all this time. You can buy a little bag or a larger bag. It's pennies on the dollars. They'll say to me at the register, okay, 50 cents <laughs> instead of six fifty. Here's you know? a coins <laughs> to pay for. <laughs> yeah, it's so. true. It's like you buy that little itty-bitty bag mm. of paprika, and when you buy fresh, sweet paprika, it actually really tastes good. Yeah. yeah. It's like 30 cents. <laughs> Isn't that fabulous? Honestly. So I always get double what I need so that I have stuff for the next recipe. And then I go back so I don't have to go quite so often. Um, I am a big fan of Thai lettuce wraps. Oh, yeah. Which is like a ground pork with all these beautiful things inside. And, oh, it's so, so good. I can't wait. When you get this book, people... I hope you do, (laughs) because it's just so fantastic. I I want to get to a couple more that we have on the site. We've got your green beans with caper vinaigrette. I'm not going to go into that one because I want to use our last minute here doing your Vietnamese caramel salmon. Ooh, Mm, yum. Okay, so coconut or extra virgin olive oil, light brown sugar, Asian fish sauce, soy sauce, fresh ginger, zest of a lime, the juice of a lime, sliced scallions, sliced jalapeno, and cilantro for garnish. So tell me how the caramelization comes in. It's such an easy recipe. You know, people think, oh my gosh, making caramel is so scary, but you don't have to do that here because you're using brown sugar, basically, which caramelizes in the heat of the pan. And because it's brown sugar, it has Mm -hmm. a great flavor anyway. You know, it already has that molasses. And then the spices and the lime just kind of Mm. temper it. It's so good on salmon. It's actually a riff on a classic Vietnamese bluefish recipe, but I feel that people are a little bit maybe leery of bluefish, so Uh I adapted it to salmon because who doesn't need another salmon recipe, right? right? And it works beautifully. Oh, this is so... Sounds delicious. I know. I'm. This... You know when you're tired and cranky and you can't figure out what to have for dinner? Yeah. Every single one of these makes me hungry. I, this tonight, <laughs> th- this weekend, this is going to be my dish, this Vietnamese caramel salmon. Oh, good, mm. good. Yeah. And I just want to know, your daughter eats most of these things? She's... Oh, God, no. <laughs> She's no. <laughs> she eats a lot of them, but she will not touch fish. Okay. And yeah. um, Chicken of the sea. Yes, right. we call it chicken of the sea for the kids. Exactly. Yeah, she's, she's on to me. She, <laughs> um, she doesn't like certain things with too much sauce. But, you know, she's eight. She's changing. Sure. And, you know, my mother says, until I was 12, I didn't eat fish. Now, I have no memory of this, but this is what she says. So, huh. you know, she's got time. She's yeah. got time. And what she, when she loves something, she loves it. She's a big salad eater. who eat all the salads, loves steak, loves chicken, you mm. know, all the pasta dishes like a kid. Mm, good for her. So there's a lot of kid-friendly stuff in the book because I was definitely feeding my family while I was writing it. Yeah, I saw it from the pictures. <laughs> I thought, oh, this is this is beyond Photoshopping. This mm. is real. There's green beans, as I mentioned, with a caper vinaigrette, which is, I think, a wonderful way to treat green beans. Yeah. Because green, green beans, beans need some help. And make them uh, interesting. That's a thousand recipes in here I didn't get to, and I'm so sorry I can't because it's just the best Big kind book. of food pornography, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the recipes that we've really focused on are at our website, foodschmooze.org. Her book, Melissa Clark of the New York Times, is called Dinner Changing the Game. Thank you so much for being back on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. You're the best. Thank you. Okay. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. 